You know, it can be hard to see the challenges that people we work with every day are going through. Invisible struggles like stress and burnout, caregiving for a loved one, or being misunderstood. But insight, awareness, and empathy will help us better see the issues they're dealing with. And that can make us and our companies healthier, too. I'm Holly Robinson-Pete. Join us on The Visibility Gap, a new podcast presented by Cigna Healthcare. Download it wherever you get your podcasts. The less your business spends, the more margin you keep. But today, everything costs more. So smart businesses are graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one proven platform, helping you reduce IT costs, maintenance costs, and manual errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move to NetSuite. Now through April 15th, NetSuite is offering a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program. Head to NetSuite.com slash earnings right now. NetSuite.com slash earnings. Good morning. I'm Nathan Hager. And I'm Karen Moscow. Here are the stories we're following today. First, lawmakers in Washington may be inching closer to a deal to help avoid a government shutdown at the end of this week. We get the latest from Bloomberg's Amy Morris in the nation's capital. Sources tell Bloomberg the bipartisan Senate bill would extend funding for four to six weeks, shorter than what Democrats wanted, but could get it through the House. Once it passes the Senate, it goes to the House, where Speaker Kevin McCarthy will face a tough choice on whether to hold a vote at all. So far, McCarthy has not been able to muster enough Republican votes for a rival stopgap measure that would cut spending by 27 percent and change border policies. Now, if McCarthy does put this Senate bill up for a vote, conservatives have threatened to try to out him. In Washington, I'm Amy Morris, Bloomberg Radio. All right, Amy, thanks. Well, in addition to negotiations over a possible government shutdown, the auto workers' strike is also making headlines this morning. President Biden is stepping further into the dispute in a highly unusual move, and Bloomberg's Ed Baxter has the story. Biden travels to the Detroit area today to join workers on the UAW picket line. White House spokeswoman Corrine Jean-Pierre. He is the most uh, pro-union president in modern times. And says the message is clear. This is the president that's made very, very clear that he he believes that corporate profits should lead to record UAW, a record UAW contract. Now Donald Trump visits Michigan on Wednesday as a two-battle for the blue-collar vote. I'm Ed Baxter, Bloomberg Radio. Okay, Ed, thank you. President Biden's decision to stand alongside United Auto Workers on the 12th day of their strike appears to be historic. More on that from Bloomberg Auto reporter Oliver Crook. The question, I think, is does this help the union workers more or does this help Biden more? So this is the first time you know, in over 100 years that a sitting president has done anything like this and really breaking with a historical precedent. And it comes at a time when the U.S are really showing the highest support for unions in about 25 years. So politically for Biden, this is certainly an attractive thing. The risk for Biden is that if this goes on longer and longer and longer, the economy starts to suffer, that this is going to be used as ammunition against him. Bloomberg Auto reporter Oliver Crook says the Biden administration has no formal role in the negotiations between the UAW and the automakers. Well, turning to the markets now, Nathan, the CEOs of two of Wall Street's biggest banks have been weighing in on growth and rates. Goldman Sachs boss David Solomon said he expects the Fed to hike further and the economy to cool. Here's what he told the American Energy Security Summit. I think it's going to be hard to get inflation back to the target. And that probably means if inflation is sticky, we will see additional interest rate increases. And ultimately, that probably does lead to a little bit more of a slowdown in the economy. Whether that's a recession or it's just a slowdown 
you know, it's hard to say, but it would be unprecedented to go through this type of a tightening cycle and not see us get to a little bit of slower economic growth than what we're seeing right now. And the comments from Solomon come as J.P. Morgan CEO Jamie Dimon says he's not sure if the world is prepared for 7% rates. Speaking to the Times of India, Dimon said that going to that level would be much more painful than getting to 5%. Uh, top Fed officials also speaking about interest rates, Karen. Minneapolis Fed President Neil Kashkari says he expects the central bank will need to raise rates one more time this year. So the economy has continued to exceed expectations in its underlying resilience. So if the economy is fundamentally much stronger than we realized, on the margin, that would tell me rates probably have to go a little bit higher and then be held higher for longer to cool things off. Minneapolis Fed President Neil Kashkari made those comments yesterday at the University of Pennsylvania's Wharton School. Well, turning to Asia, Nathan, the troubled Chinese property developer Evergrande says its mainland unit has defaulted on a $547 million onshore bond. The default comes as reports emerge that former executives have been detained by Chinese authorities. Bloomberg's Loretta Chen has more from Hong Kong. The local media Taixin, which is a reputable media in mainland China, reported last night that the ex-CFO and CEO of Evergrande Group were detained by police. And these are the people who used to be right-hand men the Hui Yen, the founder of Evergrande. So this is quite significant in terms of the destiny of this company. You know, whether it's going to finish all these unfinished projects while its chief executives are detained. Bloomberg's Loretta Chen says the detentions add another layer of uncertainty to Evergrande's debt restructuring plan. We've got some legal news to get you caught up on this morning, Karen. A top Apple executive is set to testify in Washington today at the Justice Department's antitrust trial against Google. Eddie Q, Apple's services chief, plans to defend the lucrative deal that made Google's search engine the default option on the iPhone. Sources say Q plans to say he's always believed Google makes the best search engine, and that's why Apple uses it as the go-to option across its major devices. The government accuses Google of using its dominance in search to hinder competition. And Nathan Bloomberg News has learned the Federal Communications Commission will announce plans today to reinstate so-called net neutrality rules governing broadband providers. Rules barring broadband providers from unfairly interfering with Internet traffic were gutted by the FCC under Republican leadership during the Trump presidency. President Biden said he would recommit the United States to the principles of an open Internet, including net neutrality. And it's time now for a check of some other stories, making news around the world. For that, we're joined by Bloomberg's Amy Morris. Amy, good morning. Good morning, Karen. President Biden calling on Congress to pass legislation to fund the government and avoid a shutdown by the end of this week. Funding the government is one of the most basic fundamental responsibilities of the Congress. And if Republicans in the House don't start doing the job, we should stop electing them. Following a meeting with the president's board of advisors on HBCUs, President Biden called on House Republicans to abide by the bipartisan funding agreement that he negotiated with House Speaker Kevin McCarthy back in May. House Republicans are preparing for a hearing this week that would focus on President Biden and legal questions about the involvement in his son Hunter's business affairs. Bloomberg's Nancy Lyons has that story. A spokesman for the House Oversight Committee says Thursday's hearing will focus on, quote, the president's 
president's involvement in corruption and abuse of public office, end quote. Morning consults Eli Yokely tells Bloomberg Sound on Democrats seem resigned to what they call a political stunt. A good number of Democrats think it's OK to, to open this investigation. I think some of that might be, uh, you know, just do it to clear the air. President Biden's team has tapped a bench of Democratic veterans of Donald Trump's impeachments to expose what they say is political disarray in the Republican Party. In Washington, Nancy Lyons, Bloomberg Radio. Riders Guild of America leadership is set to vote today on whether to approve a tentative deal to end the riders' strike. Its negotiating committee reached the agreement with Hollywood's top studios over the weekend, suspending all picketing. If the deal is agreed upon, it would then go to the roughly 11,000 WGA members for approval. The riders' walkout started more than 140 days ago bringing the film and TV industry to a halt. Louisiana Governor John Bell Edwards is requesting a federal emergency declaration from the Biden administration regarding a saltwater intrusion at the lower Mississippi River. Now, officials are worried this would impact the water supply in that region. The Army Corps of Engineers is beginning work on a project this week that they say will help, but they have to work quickly. It is estimated that Gulf water could be making its way into New Orleans water treatment plants by next month. Global News 24 hours a day, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in more than 120 countries. I'm Amy Morris. This is Bloomberg. Karen. All right, Amy, thank you. And we bring you news throughout the day here on Bloomberg Radio. But now you can get the latest news on demand whenever you want it. Subscribe to Bloomberg News Now to get the latest headlines at the click of a button. Get informed on your schedule. You can listen and subscribe to Bloomberg News Now on the Bloomberg Business app, Bloomberg.com, plus Apple, Spotify, and anywhere else you get your podcasts. And it's time now for the Bloomberg Sports Update. For that, we bring in John Stashauer. John. Karen, the Philadelphia Eagles began last season 8-0, ended up playing in the Super Bowl. They're off to a 3-0 start this season, played Monday Night Football at Tampa Bay. Hurts of the gun. He's back. He steps up. He's looking. Still looking. Has time. Let's it go. And it is complete. Touchdown! A one Zacchaeus. You give Jalen Hurts enough time. Zacchaeus got open, and Jalen threw a WIP Radio in Philly, the call. The Eagles beat the Bucs 25-11. Hurts did have two interceptions, but he had that touchdown pass plus a TD run despite playing with flu-like symptoms. The Bengals needed a win. They were 0-2 like they were last year when they ended up in the AFC Championship game. They avoid the 0-3 start. They beat the Rams in Cincinnati 19-16. Injury news, Chargers receiver Mike Williams out for the year. Torn ACL. Saints quarterback Derek Carr week to week with a shoulder injury. They have not ruled him out for playing this Sunday. The Raiders quarterback Jimmy Garoppolo in concussion protocol. Baseball pennant races. A big win for the Astros. 5-1 at Seattle behind Justin Verlander. Went eight innings allowed. Only three hits. Struck out eight. Mariners are in that race for a wild card, but they've lost four in a row. Texas right now looking like the team that's going to win the AL West. Sixth straight win for the Rangers. They hit four home runs in a 5-1 victory over the Angels. John Stashauer, Bloomberg Sports. Success is more than a destination. It's a path you take one step at a time. 
It's dedication, it's fortitude, and it's the work, passion, and grit inside of us that comes before all recognition. That's what Stiefel has been doing for over 130 years, and it's why Stiefel is one of the fastest-growing wealth management firms in the country. And Stiefel goes beyond traditional wealth management to offer you a full suite of banking services, direct access to one of the industry's largest equity research franchises, and a leading middle market investment bank. Quietly, yet strategically, Stiefel has built a company and culture unlike any firm on Wall Street. Because success is the drive it takes to keep pushing. It's the passion to keep investing. It's the best of each of us, made better by the best in all of us. And that is where success meets success. Find a financial advisor at Stiefel.com. That's S-T-I-F-E-L.com. Stiefel, Nicholas & Company, Incorporated. Member SIPC and NYSE. Do you love Elon Musk? Do you hate Elon Musk? Do you have no idea what to think about Elon Musk? Then we have just the show for you. He's become even more larger than life. Buying Twitter doesn't get us closer to Mars. They are like really close to the edge of like everything falling apart. Like, oh, Elon, I volunteer, put a chip in my brain. Each week on this podcast, we'll break down, analyze, and debate the most important stories on Musk and his empire. It's all one big universe. You just work for Elon Inc. From Bloomberg Businessweek, this is Elon Inc. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. From coast to coast, from New York to San Francisco, Boston to Washington, D.C., nationwide on Sirius XM, the Bloomberg Business app and Bloomberg.com. This is Bloomberg Daybreak. Good morning. I'm Nathan Hager with a couple of major political stories to follow this morning. With just five days till a possible government shutdown, time is running out for the House to cut a deal. But the Senate may be making some progress of its own. Meantime, it is day 12 of the United Auto Workers strike, and today President Biden plans to make some history, becoming apparently the first sitting president to join a picket line. Let's get more on all these stories. We're joined now by Bloomberg News Senior Editor Bill Ferries. Bill, good morning. Let's start off with the possibility of a government shutdown here. What is going on in the Senate? We focused so much on the infighting in the House. Is there progress to report, though, on the other side of Capitol Hill? Hi, Nathan. Thanks for having me. There is some signs that uh, Republican and Democratic negotiators up on the Senate side are trying to find a way to compromise on a measure that would keep the government open for four to six weeks from that October 1st deadline. It's still a lot of details to be worked out. We don't know if things like Ukraine spending would be a part of that. Uh, but if that can pass through the Senate, then it puts uh, House Speaker McCarthy in a bit of a bind, uh, figuring out whether he holds a vote on that measure, with many of his hard right members still uh, not having Happy with any kind of an agreement that uh, doesn't look at border prote- more border funding uh, and that doesn't look at cutting Ukraine funding. What about Speaker McCarthy's own plan to avoid a government shutdown? The idea that he would cut domestic agencies uh, pretty drastically is that still on the table? 
It doesn't look like that's gotten much traction. He's gotten opposition from a lot of sides on that. Uh, and I think, you know, we, we also know there are some other efforts in the House to try to find a way uh, to maybe quickly end a shutdown if possible. Uh, I think as this week progresses, it's, you know, they're just the members are just back. Uh, today, uh, they have you know five days heading into Saturday with this deadline. I think it's very possible that every single day this week, we're going to hear about new efforts on one side or the other to try to avoid this. As you know, uh, Nathan, from covering this for so many years in Washington, these talks will tend to go till the very last minute. If there's time to use, it gets used. Uh, we could very well be talking about uh, a measure that that keeps the government open, going you know getting voted on Friday. Or Saturday, or talks continuing until that deadline, and then the shutdown begins. While all this talk is going on, we got the warning yesterday from Moody's, the last credit agency that still has a high, the highest possible credit rating for the U.S., warning that if there is a shutdown, it would erode confidence in American governance. Is that the kind of thing that gives lawmakers a kick in the pants to try to get some kind of deal done? You know, I think it's something uh, a lot of lawmakers on both sides uh, would say they know is coming uh, and is not a huge surprise. I don't think that's going to factor into the kind of core group of Republicans who are uh, really kind of holding Kevin McCarthy's feet to the fire on this right now. I don't think that's going to be something that persuades them or that causes a breakthrough in the deal, unless possibly, as I think we saw a little over a decade ago with uh, with the shutdown. Then you really see the financial markets reacting more strongly. I think they're gonna. I think markets have been taking it a little bit in stride, uh, but I think as we get closer to Saturday, uh, especially Friday, as markets close, we're going to probably see more of a more volatile action in the markets. In the time we have left, Bill, let's talk about President Biden and his plan to join the picket line today. This seems pretty unprecedented, uh, even for a president who's called himself the most pro-union president ever. That's right. I think it is unprecedented. We don't have uh, we we've been looking, trying to figure out when a sitting president has ever uh, joined a picket line, and I don't think we've found an example of that. You've obviously had very pro-union presidents, and uh, particularly Democratic presidential candidates are often out there with organized labor. Uh, but to have a sitting president sit down, really weigh in on on one side of that so strongly, that will be uh, something that we really haven't seen uh, ever. And uh, and of course, on the other hand, you have uh, you have former President Trump heading to meet many of those uh, striking auto workers the following day. So there's this real duel for support among the striking auto workers up in Michigan. Of course, a, a critical battleground state uh, for any candidate in 2024. In just 30 seconds left, interesting to see this happen as well. When up to now, the Biden administration has been pretty hands off when it comes to the uh, auto worker negotiations. That's right. I think, you know, I listen, President Trump has had support in the past with a lot of uh, working class voters in Michigan. I think there's some real concern that uh, his appearance could eat into president's support in, in a critical state. And I think the president wants to show his bona fides as a, as a big supporter of, of the labor movement. This is Bloomberg Daybreak Today, your morning brief on the stories making news from Wall Street to Washington and beyond. 
Look for us on your podcast feed at 6 a.m. Eastern each morning on Apple, Spotify, and anywhere else you get your podcasts. You can also listen live each morning starting at 5 a.m. Wall Street time on Bloomberg 1130 in New York, Bloomberg 991 in Washington, Bloomberg 1061 in Boston, and Bloomberg 960 in San Francisco. Our flagship New York station is also available on your Amazon Alexa devices. Just say Alexa, play Bloomberg 1130. Plus, listen coast to coast on the Bloomberg Business app, Sirius XM Channel 119, the iHeartRadio app, and on Bloomberg.com. I'm Nathan Hager. And I'm Karen Moscow. Join us again tomorrow morning for all the news you need to start your day right here on Bloomberg Daybreak. Osage County, Oklahoma is getting a lot of attention right now. It's the setting of Martin Scorsese's latest film, Killers of the Flower Moon. The movie is based on a book about the 1920s Osage murders, when white men poured into Osage County and killed Osage people for their oil wealth. I'm Rachel Adams Hurd, the host of In Trust, a podcast from Bloomberg and iHeartMedia. For over a year, I was reporting a different story, about other ways white people got Osage land and wealth, and how a prominent ranching family in Osage County became one of the biggest landowners here. Their ranching empire was built on land that at the turn of the century was all owned by the Osage Nation. So how'd they get it? Listen to the award-winning podcast, In Trust, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.